Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, folks, welcome back to the Mountain West Wire football podcast. We are here to discuss, you know, Mountain West football match. That's what we do at MWR.com. Week nine is here. And uh, it's a, uh, for us, it's like, oh, it's it's a light week with only four games. That's true. Four games, a couple teams on the bye. We got four teams on the bye. uh, Utah State not playing, Air Force not playing. Who else is off this week? Uh, uh, UNLV in New Mexico. Okay, UNLV in New Mexico. Rebels, man, they desperately need Doug Brumfield back. That's all I can say. They would. Yeah, they got to get healthy. Yeah, him and him and others. So, so uh, let's just get to it. So the game we have this week, they're all Saturday evening, I guess. Depends where your evening term is. Five p.m. Mountain Time, four p.m. Pacific. We have CSU at Boise State, Matt, where you briefly mentioned what if the Rams get it done in the Broncos last week. Almost yeah, I mean, technically, you know, technically they're still alive in the Mountain Division race. You know, they have the one loss, but uh, they still very much control their own destiny. Technically, they do. They're also technically or officially a 27-point underdog against the Boise State Broncos, who seemingly have – I haven't done my official – maybe why this is post, I'll have it out there, but at the moment I haven't gone through, like, the exact, like, the um, pro- procedure to get in. I believe if mm-hmm. Boise State wins, they're probably clinching just about this week. Is that correct, maybe? Um, well, uh, mostly, but not totally, because the, the Broncos do Wyoming. still have to play Wyoming as well. Okay. And a Wyoming is the new play this week, so there's that. So. Yeah. That's a possibility or potential for that. So this game gets gets going. Like I said, 4 p.m. FS1, Pacific Time, Boise hosting. Um what have you liked so far, like with the Dirk Cutter's been doing in Broncos? Because that's kind of the big, big difference the past couple of weeks. I mean, it's. I mean, it starts with the ground game, but the big question I think coming into this week is, you know, we saw Air Force sort of, you know, I don't want to say buckle down. It's probably not the right term, but the Broncos were not quite as effective running the ball without George Halani and, and Ashton Gentile late in the game last week. 
And so I think that's maybe the biggest question coming into, you know, Saturday is what is the status on those guys? I, I don't know. Have you seen anything about that? I know that there was uh, from, uh, there was some video out there from uh, earlier this day from Brittany Frederick over at KTVB. Polani at least is practicing in pads. So I would take that to mean closer. That is a, uh, yeah, mostly a positive sign, but um <laughs> you know, at the same time, you know, when when Andy Avalos had his uh, his weekly press conference on on the twenty fourth on Monday, um, he asked he was so he was asked whether Helani or Genty were expected to practice this week, and his answer, according to Jordan K, um, over at the yeah, for the Idaho Press, next question was the exact quote. So not even. Not even like most coaches, at least give the courtesy of saying we don't discuss season-ending injuries. But next question, come on, dude, who are you? Well, okay, so 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 given those two things, given that Holani was on the practice field today, yes, and we're recording Tuesday. this on Tuesday the twenty fifth. Maybe he'll be limited. But if he's, already, if, if, he's he, if he's padded up today, he's playing. Yeah, but but I think if he's only going to be good for a couple of plays, you know, a handful of plays. And, you know, we know even less about, you know, Genty at this juncture. You know, if you're looking at the next man up, now all of a sudden you're, you're going to, you know, Eleon Noah, who really only got his first extended action last week against the Falcons. And he wasn't quite as effective in breaking off big runs. You know, he had 17 carries for 45 yards against a, a pretty good Falcons front seven. And, you know, that maybe if you're a Broncos fan, that's a little bit of like a, maybe a yellow flag. But at the same time, you know, you're going up against Colorado State front that's been okay at creating havoc. You know, in terms of like new opportunity rate, for example, um, you know, their ability to keep runners from getting to the second level it's right around the national average, 47.7%, 78th overall. And there's really nobody in the front seven that could potentially take over and, and be a big factor in that regard, other than maybe Muhammad Kamara. You know, he's the only guy, I believe, on that CSU front who, I mean, I, mean, I know for a minute he's leading the team in, in 10 TFLs, but other than that, you know, the next leading guy is CJ Oni. Uh, CJ Onyechi, excuse me, and he only has three and a half TFLs. And most of that is wrapped up in the two sacks that he has this year. So on paper, this should be another big opportunity for the Broncos to sort of get that running game back on track, even if it isn't quite as explosive as it looked in, in the first couple of weeks under Cutter. But at the same time, you know, this is a big opportunity for the their Colorado State front seven to really step up too. We yeah. haven't seen some of their stars be as disruptive as I think you might have expected them to be coming into the year. You know, Cameron Carter, for instance, only has half a TFL in, yeah. in seven games after having, you know, seven and a half and six last year. And, and maybe that has to do with the fact that, you know, they're giving Drew Kulik more time, you know, Kulik has four TFLs, but, you know, again, you know, they need their stars to step up. Most of the big contributions have come in the secondary. You know, guys like, you know, Jack Howell, you know, Aiden Hector, who we talked about in the, in the last preview podcast. But they need those guys in the trenches to step up and do more if they're going to have a shot at pulling an upset. 
Yeah, they'll need a lot. Like, what will help is if, yeah, Boise's down to running back three. They Boise scored zero points in the second half last week for Air Force without having mm-hmm. either of those guys in the lineup. Because Taylor Green, I don't think he's not going to lead them, lead them to victory on his own. Maybe versus Durant, possibly. But you're right. There are chances where if Boise has those number three running back, three and four, the receiving group is – I don't want to say not as good. It's not as good, but it's also less experience compared to the past couple of years with Kalisha here and other guys. But we're mm-hmm. at past the midway points. So like that doesn't matter. But there are yeah. areas where the Rams would have to play like their best football overall to be close to this game. Yeah. Offensively, and, 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 it's going to be tough because Green runs and moves around. That'll open things up. But he's not the most polished passer yet. It's not the, the re, if they're going to win. And if they're going to win comfortably, it's not going to be because of the offense does. I'm pretty sure that's the reason yeah. for Boise State. I mean, and if you're if you're looking for you know silver linings as uh, for Colorado State, especially in conference play, they've been a little bit better at defending the run. You know, uh, in the three games that they played against Nevada, Utah State, and Hawaii, they've given up just a shade over four yards per carry, you know, four four point zero nine, and only three touchdowns in three games. But, you know, with the caveat that you're talking about Nevada and, and Utah State, who, you know, they've had, they had a decent ground game. And of that trio, the Aggies did have the most success against this Rams off and defense. But they did manage to sort of bottle up Dedrick Parson last week, too. So I, I don't know if I necessarily totally agree that Taylor Green can't win this game. But just because we haven't seen it doesn't mean that he can't do it. Well, I mean, he's like, still, he's learning on the job. And this is, and this is the kind of defense where he might be able to, let it loose a little more than we've seen him in the first few weeks uh, of his tenure. Yeah, that's kind of my point. Like we haven't seen it; he hasn't had to do it. And this is a defense where he we, he might show us he can. So I don't mm-hmm. say it's not a possibility. He hasn't done it yet. And I would just say I wouldn't like if I'm going to say okay, how are they going to win this game or any game? I would never say well, Taylor Green's going to lead them to 280 passing yards and 65 in the ground and three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I don't know this game. The team, possibly, but in general, for any game, no. But this is a great opportunity for him to be more productive. Because you remember, if not for that drop pass, he would have had about over 250 yards last week versus mm-hmm. a pretty good Air Force defense. So he's getting close. It's pretty good. But, again, he's barely played a little bit of opener. He took over starting job a few weeks, a new offensive coordinator. It's still clicking, and maybe this is the game where he comes in. Like, all right, he's going to go, like, what? What fourteen of twenty two or something for like two fifty? Like that'd be pretty good, or like ten yards per catch. But again, I still think if they're going to win, it's going to be the defense because Boise State, like they had their availability this week, and like, well, we've played good, but we haven't played the best we've played all year yet. I'm like, geez, you guys are playing amazing. 175 yards given up, or excuse me, allowed on rushing versus Air Force. They've been 240 yards per game overall, under 20 points per game, top 20 in the country in scoring defense. Number one, pass defense, national yards per game. But yards per game is not the best stat when Air Force gets very few yards against them. Mm-hmm. But they're doing very good defensively, and that's how they're going to win. Like, their rushing attack is good. And I don't know, what's CSU going to really do? Clay Millen going to go his complete 68% of his passes, but they're all three yards air, air yard per throw or something like that, like little screens and flick passes. That's not, that's not going to get it done. And Morrow runs pretty good, but they, Boise shut down any air force rushing attack. And so it's going to be a low, I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. Cause I don't think Boise State's going to come out and explode, particularly if they have to go with the number, the third string, four string, fifth string running backs. If Lonnie plays, 
how healthy he's going to play and how much they want him to play in a game that they probably could win without him. He might just be out there just get a couple reps here and there, but I just think it's going to be lower scoring, but Boise's probably going to be fine. But like, we look at the Rams' offense. They've had, they have receivers, yeah. They have Torrey Horton out there. They have, Morrow's run pretty well. Morrow. I just I don't know how much they can get done on the Rams' offense, even if Millen does do those short passing games he's done. Remember, only five touchdowns. He's been sacked 24 times this year, and he's missed, what, three games? Is that correct? Something like that. Uh, well, I, know he missed, I know he missed a couple of games. I forget the exact number. Oh, 29 total sacks. And we're and that's like that's about what, four game? It's over four game. And this is one of the better defenses they face. I know they face Michigan, really good defense, but this will be up there as one of the best defenses they play still played all year. And mm-hmm. that'll be a problem to protect Millen and any, any anything else for getting the ground game going. And so it's gonna be Rams offense has to be on point, but if they're going to win it, like we discussed offensively for Boise State side, they got to Cameron um, Carter and other guys need to figure a few things out. And if they're, let's just say, for example, like say the end result, Boise scores 19 points like last week versus Air Force. They're probably still going to win, but the Rams got to somehow keep them under because Rams offense can't score. They seven points, 19 points, 10 points. They haven't scored 20 points all year. So if there's some the problem the problem has been it's not that they can't score it's that you know they have by and large struggled to just move the football consistently well, yeah, you know in means... terms of like available yards percentages I haven't I don't think I've brought up in a couple of in a couple of weeks during these previews but on the year the Rams are still just 123rd in that in regard they're still only earning 31 percent of yards available per drive against this Boise State defense which. You know, by that same measure, I'm trying to look it up as I talk. They, they are now up to number four in the country in terms of available yards allowed per drive, 28.5 percent. You know, and, and you know, you can look at any measure you want to. You can look at available yards. You can look at you know Parker Fleming and uh, at Stats of War on Twitter. You know, he has his uh, you know what he calls his echo rate, which is just you know the percentage of quality possessions and opportunity creation. Um, just by that, on offense, the Rams are 125th. So, like, you only 35% of their possessions have been what you might call a quality possession. Um, or if you just prefer, you know, red zone conversions, consider that the Broncos have twice as many trips into the red zone in the same amount of games that the Rams do. Hmm. 28-13. And, and that's not even accounting for the fact that, you know, Colorado State only has four touchdowns in those 13 trips to the red zone too. And that's not even accounting for the fact that the defense has struggled just as much in those situations. So, I mean, you can point to one thing that the Rams need to do, but I mean, the reality is like, they just have to be better overall to survive in this game, especially, especially inside the 20 yard line on both sides of the ball. If they can do that, then they might might have a chance. But if if it's business as usual in that regard, then Boise State can run away with this one pretty easily. I think they're going to win handily, Boise State. I just don't see where the Rams can have an advantage anymore. It's a little bit on the defense a little, but there's basically, if they're going to compete, it's going to be because Boise, it's more of Boise State doing something wrong or being limited due to who's available to play. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'll be because the Rams are going to come out and Clay Mills because they're throwing bombs to Torrey Horton and, or anybody out there. Or Ivy Moore is, Moore is going to go out and get like 165 yards on 18 carries. Mm-hmm. Unless something really bad happens, that's not going to be the case. 
And that's what they actually need to win this game, to have big performances by their players. I know you mentioned Kamara, like maybe he makes big plays and he has 10 TFLs in the year, leads a conference, which we've discussed quite a bit. But besides that, nobody gets back behind the line of scrimmage all that well for them. You got like, um, I don't know, Drew, Drew Kolick has a couple of TFLs, but it's like, it's not going to go well for them. I don't think Boise's going to blow them out because I don't think if Boise's hurt on offense, that's not the case. I mean, if that's the case, that's a problem, but this is going to, it's not going to be a close game, but it's going to be, it's going to be reminiscent of the, uh, San Diego State Fresno a couple years ago when Aztecs were really good and just suffocate everybody. And that 17 to six victory seemed like basically could have been 40 to zero. Yeah, I mean, you you say that it may not be a runaway victory, but let's not forget you know, they, they beat San Diego. <laughs> they beat San Diego State three weeks ago, or about a month ago, by twenty two points. They beat Fresno by twenty. Well, I know, but they're they didn't score in the second half versus Air Force. They're injured at running back. I just for what's going on and what they have to do to win. I'm not I'm not saying oh they're gonna come out and just get to win and be be happy with it. They might win by a couple touchdowns, but I just. When I, maybe I'm referring to more of the line of 27 and a half, 27, which is quite big, I think, for this game. Mm-hmm. I, like, I wouldn't be, like, I'm not going to be shocked if we went 20. What I'm getting at, let me rephrase that. They went comfortably, but I don't think they're going to go out and score 30 points or 40 points in this game. I don't know if that's going to be the case. Possibly. Gotcha. Okay. That, that's what I'm getting at. Like, they may win 28 to seven. That's a c- comfortable victory, but not like a, a thrashing or it's pretty big win, but I'm just saying they're not going to go blow them out 50 to 10. I don't think Boise at the moment does have the offense to do that with their quarterback and the uncertainty at running back, the wide receivers being just fine. I don't know if I'm as, I I don't know if I'm as convinced this and and the, uh, the advanced metrics seem to think that that might be the case. Uh, I may have preempted you there. SP plus. Go for it. That's where I was going. Yeah. SP plus likes the Broncos pretty heavily. They give them a 92% win probability projected margin of 24.3. FBI also likes the Broncos pretty heavily by 16.5 and Parker Fleming, as I mentioned at stats O war on Twitter, his advanced stats preview gives Boise State a 93.26% win probability projected margin, 21 to, uh, if I'm rounding up, one. <laughs> they give him one. What, what are you rounding up to one? one? Are you rounding, rounding up, up to one? It is zero. It is zero <laughs> point eight. Rounding up to one. That is, a, wow. Uh, I'm I'm more in line with the the middle one, like within 20 points, but it might be like literally 18 to three, something like that. But my score, I. I'll be a little more generous, but I think they'll be there is a reason I'll be close because offense, I don't think they're they're not gonna just uh blow it up unless there's say like a pick six or a special team score, a block bun or something like that. But I'm gonna go I think the Rams will get nine points. I will go twenty eight to nine for Boise State. So a nineteen point victory. I do think it'll be a little more than that. I don't know if I would take the Broncos to cover that thing of a spread. I'm not doing that. Do not take that at all. And the Rams are America's best team at taking the under, so look out for that too. Yeah, well, and I was also, and the one thing we didn't really get into, but you know, Taylor Green also has a five percent interception rate right now too. Okay, four ints and 80, 80 pass attempts. So that's exactly the kind of thing where you know, even if Boise State wins pretty comfortably, that's the kind of thing that's you know, the difference between winning a bet like that and losing a bet like that. So also, one the one last week is kind of fluky where I forget who caught it. Was it Cobb who caught it? Got tackled from behind, kind of lost it. Yeah, 
that was more of a fumble than interception, but that one, it counts in the stat book, but I wouldn't really say that was his fault for an interception. So I'm going to say Boise State 31, Colorado State 13. Okay, you would put no, you would take the over if that was the case at four because it's 43 points. Apparently so. You good with that? You okay? You want to? I am, you know what? I'm okay with that. Okay, it's just it's not, okay. Next. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Next game, we have a, you can watch this game. What's good about the weekend is that they're spaced out just enough. Seven thirty Pacific, San Diego State at Fresno State for the uh, oil can. Am I correct on that? Is that the correct trophy here? I should know this by now. Why is it saying it's at nine thirty on College Press Box? Uh, that's got to be a typo. I'm looking at ESPN eight thirty. <laughs> that that is a typo. It is seven thirty p.m. Pacific okay. time. Okay, I'm like, what? That's weird. Okay. Aztecs are uh, Jake Kaner still out, right? Is that still the the word of the? That is league? correct. Is he yeah, officially there was out, a, or is he? Yeah, uh, official update from uh, Gabe Camarillo over there. I believe he's at twenty four seven sports, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Hainer is still out. Uh, I'm trying to scroll down and see the tweet that I that I retweeted earlier. Um, well, Logan linebacker, like last linebacker week. Raymond Scott out for the year. Uh, wide receiver Josh Kelly and safety Evan Williams also still out. And then safety Elijah Gates, MRI pending. Okay. that could Some of those could change by the end of the week, but not many, really, since we're recording Tuesday night. Oh, but if Logan Fife plays like he did last week, why, we're fine, right? You're good to go. They, I mean, they have found their footing, you know, ever since the, the you know, for lack of a better term, the disaster against UConn, like it, it didn't get much better immediately against, you know, Boise State. But in the last couple of weeks, they've started to pull it together. And, you know, just in terms of like you know, points per drive uh, on offense, especially and, and available yards percentage, it was the best overall performance of the year, or at least, you know, rivaling or, you know, the Oregon State game, which, you know, they didn't win that game, but they they took care of business against a New Mexico team that they should have taken care of business uh, against. And so I think that's where you start looking at this game where, you know, if if Fresno state's going to be able to take that next step forward, then I think it's going to start on offense and it's going to start with 
you know, coming out to a hot start in the same way that they did last week against the Lobos. Especially since the Aztecs defense has not been quite as efficient in terms of like their ability to create turnovers, their ability to, you know, create sacks. Like, you know, Jonah Tavai had a very nice game last week, but this is still a defense that surprisingly still has a team sack rate of only 4%. It's still, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 112th nationally. But, you know, at the same time, you know, Fresno State's been okay. Like, they were they were good last week against the Lobos in terms of protecting life. But it's still kind of like a potential soft spot that the Aztecs might be able to take advantage of in the trenches. You know, the, the Bulldogs are still allowing a sack rate themselves of, you know, a shade over 7%. And so I think that you know, whoever wins that battle in the trenches, whether, you know, between Fresno State's offensive line and San Diego State's defensive front, that could go a long way towards determining who's going to win this game. Because if they can frustrate the Bulldogs offense, then that could be the kind of thing that enables them to play the field position game. That's that's kind of mostly gotten back to being the thing that works for them. Yeah, definitely. We'll see because we see what's going on overall. Like sticking with the first from like Jordan Mims had a huge game last week. It's all it's all relative because he played to Mexico. So the offense looked good, defense looked good. We mentioned it was their most complete game of the year. We're playing San Diego State. They have better yeah. guys. I mean, field field position is actually like it's this that's the one thing in this game that could be a massive difference maker. Because between these two teams, and this is you know credit to Park Flooding, the Aztecs have a huge advantage on both sides of the ball, actually. You know, they're 21st on offense in terms of average starting field position, you know, at the 32-yard line, basically. You know, on defense, it's third. They're basically, you know, it would be like if the offense had a touchback or if the kickoff team had a touchback every single time because <laughs> opponents are starting at their own 25-yard line. Okay. By contrast, the Bulldogs' starting field position on offense is 118th in the country on defense. So like, you know, opponents are starting on at their own 32 yard line on defense. So between these two teams, that's like seven full yards. That's a lot. That could be a lot. Yeah. And and so I think, you know, that is one of those things where if, if San Diego state can force the Bulldogs to sort of string together longer drives, at least, you know, we've seen where, you know, the offense can sometimes get bogged down, you know, between the 40 and the 20, Sometimes in the red zone, you know, it's still an offense that's, you know, only scoring 50% of touchdowns in on the season, which is not as, I'm trying to look up what it was compared to last year. It's nearly 20% lower than, than it was last year. And so I think that is going to be sort of the, the hallmark for this game is, you know, if the Aztecs can win that field position battle, make the Bulldogs have to string together long drives, then the pressure is on the Bulldogs offense, on Fife and, and Jordan Mims and, and everybody else to make those opportunities count when they get into the red zone. Because they haven't always. Yeah. So what do we... So we let's, let's move back like with Aztecs offensive with the quarterback. It's okay. like, I'll, I always go back there because that's where I like to talk about things. But game number three... Is it wait? Is this is this, is this um Maiden's third mm-hmm. straight third straight game? So, what do we make of him at being quarterback? Because he's going up against a defense that's I know again New Mexico last week they gave up what three points. A new offensive coordinator was technically what uh, they had what Jeff Horton get the promotion from the running backs coach, mm-hmm. and he, and he's only faced here's the thing too he's only faced 
Or is it? Did he play the Boise State game too? Am I mistaken on that as well? This is game number four for him. Like, um, let's see real quick. Uh, hold on. Sorry, I'm going to box score here. And I, of course, I accidentally click on the Toledo game. Awesome for me. Like, what the heck is Toledo? <laughs> but they played Hawaii. They played Nevada. So it's not like he's been going up against uh, amazing offensive team, like defensive teams with, um, let's see. No, Burmeister did play his voice. Too, so my bad. I was trying to make sure. But it, it could be kind of a, uh, like a sheep and like, you know I mean? Like kind of hiding in plain sight where, okay, he's doing okay, but look who he's going up against. He's now going to be facing a defense that's more legit than what he's faced versus Nevada and Hawaii the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And so, and, but there's two things with it. He gets more comfortable. What Maiden has done the past couple of weeks. He only had 156 yards last week and he ran pretty well. I think honestly, the real key is that him getting more comfortable and maybe Get, no, not maybe, definitely needing more production. He's only completing about 50% of his passes. He's under 50% on the road. He only has one t- touchdown pass of the year so far, I believe I'm correct on that. And so he's not like he's doing, he's out there blowing the world up, which last versus why he did two weeks ago, that's why. He said, oh, the reason I thought next week, not because they had the off week in between. That oh, yeah. off week, they were not playing. So he's been sacked four times in two games. So it's, he's he's kind of... I don't say erratic, but he's just not not great yet. It's too early to tell. The Hawaii game is awesome, but now he's going to be against a good defense. His running running back compadres back there aren't doing anything great either for them. So it's going to come down to the Asics defense, which it's for Boise got exposed and got beat up pretty bad a couple as about three weeks ago. They've they tightened it up the past couple weeks, but Fresno State is going to be able to provide a challenge they haven't really seen, especially offensively for a while, where what is Maiden going to do if he gets like attacked a bit more? He's been sacked a handful of times. We don't have a lot. We don't trust the running backs at the moment. If they can't run the ball and he doesn't throw the ball very well, it's going to be a long day. And that's a legitimate possibility because I'm not sure how well with the Aztec running game can you go in because like Chance Bill hasn't done much this year. The running game has been, for honestly, the past couple of years, it hasn't been that great. The leading rusher, I'm like, Jordan Bird only has 337 yards. He's only getting nine attempts a game. He's not even getting the ball that often either. And so they don't have a guy to help alleviate any pressure from him. And so technically they're leading rusher and like yards per game. is still Braxton Burmeister. He's up there pretty high. So and he's now sitting at wide receiver, the former quarterback. I don't know what they could do offensively unless we see the running game figure things out to help Maiden have a better game and closer to Hawaii than he did last time versus Nevada, which he's not getting 300 yards against his defense. I don't think he's there yet. Yeah, I mean, it, it's easy to, to look at the quarterback and say, you know, that's the X factor against this defense, but it really is about the ground game. Yeah, definitely. Which, which as the calendar sort of flipped from non-conference play into conference play, it's been a real struggle for the Aztecs. You know, through three games, they, they're, you know, they're only averaging just over three yards carry. And that's not adjusting for sacks or anything, but like that sort of gives you an idea. Like even last week against Nevada, they barely managed four yards to carry. Yeah, and that's yeah, and that's not just the running backs. That's a that's an offensive line that has been sort of slow to find its footing. And you know, to their credit, you know, they have managed to you know keep a relative amount of continuity up front in that unit. They haven't had any major injuries or anything like that. Is all I'm saying. But it's also a very young unit outside of Alamo Uwabe. And so I think, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a learning curve in that regard where, 
you know, maybe we expected it to be sort of business as usual, or at least at the level as, as it had been in the last couple of years. But I think in more ways than one, this is going to be a big game for those guys up front, guys like Brandon Crenshaw-Dixon, who is probably going to be responsible for handling David Perales off the edge. Uh, and on the opposite side, you know, guys like, you know, Josh Simmons, Rasul Galamasiuli, they need to get more consistent push. That was one of the things that made them effective in non-conference play. Even if it wasn't always efficient, it, they could at least count upon a little bit of an explosiveness, especially from Jordan Bird. In Mountain West play so far, they haven't had, they haven't had efficiency or explosiveness, and they need to find a degree of that to keep the Bulldogs from keying on Maiden on every down. Yeah. I, I just, that's, it's going to be, this are, are you, let me, let's back up here. Do you, are you surprised for us as favored by as much as they are with the backup quarterback of their own at eight and a half? I mean, slightly. Seems I don't kind know. Of like a lot, but not really. I think that, you know, the, like I said, the question is because even though the Bulldogs have been stingier against the run themselves over the last month or so, they're basically in the month of October, I'm trying to look at what they've, what they've allowed. They basically allowed four yards of carry and only three touchdowns in four games. The one team that was able to beat them consistently in that facet of the game was Boise State. And I don't think it's a secret that San Diego State wants to have that sort of ground and pound attack. They just haven't had it. But if they can rediscover it, then that changes the entire tenor of this contest. Oh, yeah. If that change, yeah. If either of those go well or not go well, that'll make Easier it Easier said than done, though. Yeah, exactly. And then here's one thing, too. We look at San Diego State. Like they've, It's hard to tell if they've improved since the Boise State loss or – if it's just them playing the two teams, because the Hawaii game was not good. Only won by two points. They score just enough to beat Nevada 23-7. I just wondering what type of team when they show up to play in a real team. Because the, when they when they're going up against Hawaii, the, the big problem with that game, they had to score. They had to hold off Hawaii because they Hawaii's got the uh touchdown in that fourth quarter. But they I know that was a mating game where he threw 300 plus yards. The rush defense did fine, but their secondary with going up against like Bowens, who had over 100 yards that game, couple of deep passes, they it wasn't that great overall offensively, clearly because they can't run the ball. So I don't know, man. It's like I I want to lean Fresno, but oh, actually, I'll, I'll, the worries I'm, I'm hesitating him in the Han because how bad Fresno was for a couple weeks. San Diego State hasn't been that good either. I know they're at four and three, but I'm like I don't trust them with a new quarterback again, running game that's not very good, defense that's fine, but got blown up against um, Boise State recently, like 37 points. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's I mean, you, I, mean you, I mean, it would not be hard to make a case that they have been at least a little bit lucky because, you know, they, they've won two one-score games. I think they're one of two or three teams in the conference to have done that to this point. Uh, you know, I know Colorado State has done it as well. Um I think of in, in Wyoming and Utah State. So, I mean, then, there is an element of, of close game good fortune where, you know, if, if they struggle to get things going on offense, I think the way that the Bulldogs have looked in recent weeks, you know, they could make them look in, the, you know, similar to, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say it, it could get as bad as like the Utah game back in September, 
but it, it might approach that kind of neighborhood if the offense can't get much going. Yeah, because like I said, the way Logan Fire's been playing Jordan Mims last week again, caveat New Mexico, but I don't care if you get it done, you get it done. And that's where I lean in Fresno, but I just don't know how much I trust him to win by a double digit victory. I think this will be a closer game, but it might be similar to like we mentioned kind of with uh, other matchups. Well, they'll win by 20 to 13 or sort of close. I still think, see, honestly, it comes down to Aztec scoring and I don't see them scoring enough points. The, the offense for Fresno State's superior to San Diego State. And if Logan Fife is finally is picked up again after what's oh, his game four for him, I mm-hmm. believe game three and a half. Jordan Mims there. We haven't mentioned Moreno Cropper is back healthy. He's getting there. I know they're missing. Who'd you say they're missing? Um, Josh Kelly's out or MRI, I believe yeah. he said. So, yeah, that hurts. But I just don't think the Aztecs, the way they've been playing defensively, have enough to slow them down. And yeah, if- let's, let's put it this way in terms of like points per drive. The the high that San Diego State has put together this year in any single game is 1.6 yards or points per drive, which they did against both Hawaii and Nevada in their last two games, coincidentally. Okay. For as uneven as the Bulldogs have been, Fresno State has managed to top 1.6 points per drive one, two, three, four times in six games. It's going to be a big deal, that Aztecs offense. One way or the other. Yeah, if they sh- if they show up and play well, I would not be guaranteed victory, but I think they it'll be a much more fun, entertaining game if they can move the ball and score some points. Obviously, yeah, it's saying the obvious, but the way they've been playing, it's like, oh, we'll see. But what are the events number six? What, who's what are they leaning for? I'm guessing Fresno. Uh, yes, you would be correct about that. SP plus likes the Bulldogs. They give them a 74% win probability projected margin of 11.1. FBI also likes Fresno State a little bit closer than you might expect, though, only 4.9 between them. And then Parker Fleming, his advanced stats preview gives Fresno State a 67.48% win probability projected margin of about 23 to 17. What do you say? That actually sounds about right. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> okay. um, I'm going to I'm going to round it up just a tick. I'm going to say 24 to 17. Fresno State wins. That does sound in the right area because I think the Aztec defense is still good enough. It's just not elite, elite. But I'm going to go. I'll go 21 six Fresno State. I just right, Aztec offense. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's tough. All right, next game, Nevada. Going on the road to host San Jose State, 7.30 Pacific, CBS Sports Network. Is this line correct? Is it really 24.5 favorite for the Spartans? Uh, Yeah, I believe so. That is, um, to be nice, to put it nicely, a crap ton of points they're getting given. This game will be interesting for a couple reasons. One, Spartans are obviously grieving the loss of their freshman running back who tragically passed away in the scooter bus accident last week. So I wonder, I'm wondering how they'll respond for this game. It could be they probably took some days of practice clearly to just kind of mm-hmm. get their mind straight to kind of just uh, relax, grieve, reminisce, whatever way they want to just kind of not move on, but just kind of uh, remember their teammate. And so they might their head may be not necessarily football is my main focus right now. But not having the game was a great idea for New Mexico State. Like, okay, we're not going to play. And then I'm sure they got back to practice doing the best they can. And so I'm wondering how they'll respond in 
that will have an impact the game one way or the other. They come out okay. We're gonna there could be some like University of Utah is doing something the past couple of years with Aaron Lowe and Ty Jordan. They've yeah were unfortunately shot in two separate incidents over the past couple of years. They have like the um, they do video board stuff between third and fourth quarter on helmets. Um, there will there I guarantee I I haven't looked I probably should but or maybe it's not enough. There will be something to honor him. I'm guessing at the game. So I'm wondering if that will give them like an extra boost. Like, all right, let's go out there and play awesome. They're pumped up. They're guys out there that want to play well. Don't want to just want to take care of business and just give them a little extra juice for the game with something mm-hmm. going on, which I'm pr- pretty sure they'll do. But who knows? Could that wear off? Like the adrenaline. It's it's a weird game to get through to kind of analyze of what's going to go on. We look at what's tip. Typically, if this if there was no other um, thing overlooking this game. Spartans win easy, not a big deal. It should be fine. I probably still feel that being the case, but I still wonder how these 18 to 23 year olds are going to respond to play the football game a week after a teammate passed away. Yeah. I mean, we talk about a lot of numbers and, and one-on-one matchups and things like that in this podcast, but something like that is impossible to quantify. Yeah, you just it's... don't know until, until they, they take the field and, and let's see how things shake out. Yeah, because some guys may not want to play or some guys aren't into it or they're just kind of football's whatever right now because we don't know who the kid's best friend, what their best friend was on the team. They don't know who, like those type of things. Like we don't know who, because Camden, like they'll honor, okay, I do have it here. They will honor Camden, Camden McWright right, right before kickoff in a pregame recognition. They have the sticker on the helmet, a special shirt to warm ups and other, recogn- other recognitions at the game and throughout the week. So, and also, just real quick, if you want to help the family, I believe his sister put this together, GoFundMe, for yeah. expenses. So I'm looking right here. So let me pull up real quick and find it. I think we shared it throughout the week. But this looks like under Camden McWright for on GoFundMe. You can go also San Jose State official website under the preview for this game. They have a link in there as well to help with those costs for his family. It's his sister, uh, Kamari, put it together. And so we'll see what they want to do for Cam. So if you're able to, hey, give you box or at least share it out there, that would be helpful. So that's something to to kind of feel on a hey on a assist and help the family out that way too. But all the things you do during the game, they'll probably be like a little adrenaline boost, like oh yeah, let's go let's do something for him. The running game because he's part of the running back group. See what uh, Kyrie Robinson and those type of guys want to do. We're gonna just respond to this. It's just a it's homecoming as well, so it was already going to be a kind of a big game as it is. So there's a lot, a lot of things culminating for this matchup versus Nevada, which Spartans should be fine in the win. When you look at what Shavon Cordero does, what they do in the passing game, this game shouldn't honestly be all difficult. Plus, you have like Elijah Cooks, Justin Lockhart, Char- Char- Charles Ross going against their old team. So, like, there's a lot, a lot going on. And there's a lot going on. Anyways, anyways, it's given out, added into honoring their former teammate, or not, excuse me, fallen teammates. There's, it's going to be a very emotional game this Saturday night. It'll be a quite unique type of atmosphere if you're able to be there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's no elegant way to start to sort of pivot toward talking about X's and O's. But, you know, if if you were San Jose State, what do you think is the most important thing to establish in this game and the most important thing to do against the Wolfpack? Well, the best part of the Wolfpack, too, uh, it depends. What, is Wolfpack, what does the Wolfpack do good? They do, they're pretty good defensively, right? Like they like the quarterback offensively to a talent. They haven't been that good, but I think defensively is where Don Peterson and others back there. Um, that's where the Spartans, if they're going to win or at least win comfortably, they, it's going to be a little bit difficult. It's not going to be overly difficult because about it's not good, but Ken Wilson being the defensive coach he is. 
and what we've seen in the secondary, like with uh, Bentley Sanders, how many pass breakups he gets in five interceptions. Do they want to avoid passing the ball to him? Or they also have guys like Azami right there, two interceptions as well. That's going to be an area where with Cordero, who he's been better this year. We've seen him in Hawaii. I know it's far removed, essentially, at this point, what he's done in Hawaii. But there's still always that little bit of me thinking, like, does he get their interception here sometimes because of what he likes to do? He only has one on the air, but he also only has seven touchdown passes. But I think that's an area where if they can avoid mistakes, if they can get the ball downfield with Elijah Cooks, who might own a big game, yeah, like Lockhart and Cooks, like the former Nevada guys, they want to have a big game against their former team. That's where they yeah. want, that's where I think they want to do, and that's where they're the best because running game, it needs to be better. But I'm not going to count on the running game of Kai Robertson or Kenyon Sims or anybody. Like nobody runs the ball besides Robertson. So my lead observation is like get the passing game going, and then move from there. And that's yeah, the toughest it's part. Really, it's it's really sort of hard to predict. I mean, well, I, I don't want to say it's hard to predict, but. What I will say is that in in that element of the game, Nevada has at least given as mostly as well as as it has received uh, throughout this year. So, like on the one hand, the Wolfpack do do have ten interceptions at this juncture in the year. Mm-hmm. You know, only UNLV has more within the Mountain West, but at the same time, you know they are you know next to last in the conference in terms of their ability, or rather their uh, their willingness to allow big chunk plays. You know, they're actually they're tied for last, coincidentally, with UNLV um, in terms of 20-yard pass plays allowed in eight games, 26 altogether, mm. and, and 13 pass plays of, of 13 yards, or excuse me, of 30 yards. So I think that that is something that, you know, to your point, you, you don't want to shy away from attacking down the field. I don't think you could, you'd want to abandon the running game, especially since Nevada has well, for lack of a better term, not really offered a lot of resistance on that front. Um, you know, we just saw last week with Avery Morrow kind of bulldozing his way for almost 150 yards. Mm-hmm. But I, I think you're definitely right. Like, I think you want to go back to your bread and butter, which is pushing the ball down the field, getting the ball to your playmakers, letting them make plays. Yeah, that's definitely. I, I don't skid the guys the ball. And if Robinson has well, a solid and, game, it's a bonus. And the, and the thing is, like you know, even if Nevada does create turnovers, which is something that they've they've done pretty well, not only in terms of like creating interceptions, but like you know, they've had sixteen total takeaways. I believe it's first and second in the Mountain West as well. The problem is, even with all those takeaways, basically since the Texas State game, they haven't done anything with them. You know, going back to points per drive for just a moment, you know, we mentioned it with San Jose, or excuse me, with San Diego State. Uh, managing 1.6 points per drive over the last couple of weeks. Nevada has managed 1.6 points per drive one time exactly in the last five games. You know, it, against Iowa, it was zero, uh, obviously, because I got shut out. Uh, against Air Force and Colorado State, it was one. Last week against San Diego State, it was 0.64. That that is what you call an anemic offense, very. And and so you know we haven't really talked about that unit in the same way that we talk about New Mexico, or that we tend to, where it's like you know a, a defense trying to do all it's, all it can 
to drag an offense toward respectability. But and I and I don't know that that comparison is totally apt, just because, as I mentioned, the Wolfpack give up way more big plays than the Lobos tend to, too. And that's that is something that, as you mentioned, is an element of the game we're seeing that San Jose State could take advantage of it. What can Nevada do offensively? Can they do anything? <laughs> that is, I mean, is yeah, it's it exasperation. To, is it, okay. It's exasperation is it to say <laughs> that if they could do something on offense, we would have seen it by now? No, you're not wrong. That's the way to put it because we felt with new quarterback with Nate Cox and the, they're going back and forth, Nate Illingworth and, or excuse me, not, excuse me Shane Illingworth, but. I would have felt Toa Tao would have been a pretty big offensive player for being what a fourth. Is he a fourth year starter? I believe now he's been around forever. No, he's he's like a sixth year senior. This is his last year of eligibility. Okay, he's been around forever. So okay, the, even more to my point, you would think he would be able to step up and have a much better season than he than he had. But I know part of it if they if they scheme against you, they know you can't throw the ball very well. There's all those things to consider. But you're right; we would have seen something where at some point he would have broken through for a little bit. And he hasn't been. He's been I mean, fine. It's but not, not just good. him, though. That entire that entire running game is falling oh, off yeah. the cliff. Yeah, I'm saying he's the most well known guy back there. Mm-hmm. And did you know one one quick thing? So the line of this game was at 25 points at the moment. I believe 24 and a half. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking. I'm reading over at Nevada Sports and scrolling through a couple extra last minute notes here. So this spread is the largest spread since Nevada was at Washington State in 2017. It's a long time. So that is a long been, time. They've been pretty good though, because they that just shows it like under Gino Real haven't been very bad outside of like a year or two. But this, but you're right for Nevada. Like, what are they going to do offensively? Like, I don't know. Not much. They can't throw the ball very well. They don't run the ball very well. They don't score many points. They are very limited offensively. Their own foreign conference play. They're on a pretty big losing streak overall for what they league play. Also seven in a row. They haven't won since Texas State, which is kind of what we saw. We figured they'd be 2-0, maybe 3-0, but I didn't expect to be lose double digits at Hawaii. I didn't expect them to lose to Colorado State. And this team, when you look at San Jose State, what they can do, assuming they play to the what they're even within, say, 85% of their potential, they're better than everybody since Air Force, and Air Force beat the crap out of them 48-20. to mm-hmm. Nevada, Nevada does not have the offense to keep pace if – Here's the thing, San Jose State, all you need to do, no kidding, get to 20 points and it's over. It's in the books. I don't think Nevada could score 20 points against this team. They've only scored 20 points twice all this year and once was versus an FCS team. Well, they, they managed 23 against New Mexico State. Oh, sorry, I didn't scroll pine if I apologize. Sorry. That's like eternity to go week zero. So three, okay, three out of their what, seven game, eight games? But they're scoring 14 points, 0 points, 14, 16, 7. Come on. They're not an offensive team. So thank you for the correction, but I'll still stand by they're not a good offensive team. No, I mean, I, I, again, like, I, I, you know, I like the advanced numbers. But, I mean, this is all you need to know. New Mexico, which we just mentioned a minute ago, through eight, through eight games, 4.15 yards per play. Nevada, next to last in the conference at 4.23 yards per play. That, like that's that's your ball game right there. Yeah, they're 
this game is not going to go well. I think the Spartans might just – they might sleepwalk to a victory, but sleepwalking could still win like 28-3. to three. Mm-hmm. So what do they have number say? What's their projection for like the margin of victory or score differential and those types of things? So SP plus does like San Jose state by a fair amount, uh, 84% win probability projected margin of 17.3. FBI also likes the Spartans by 14.9 and Parker Fleming, his advanced stats preview gives the Spartans a 93.26% win probability, a projected margin. Too, wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> a projected margin of about 26 to five. Only twenty six to five. Only twenty six to five. That seems that's an interesting uh, total point. So, what do you think? Like, is San Jose State going to get to thirty points? I think they probably will. I think they'll probably win this one pretty easily. I'm going to say thirty one to six. I'm going to go. I here's what I'm I'm, changing, I'm flipping what I was going to decide. They're going to win forty eight to to nine. They're going to just boat race them. All right then. Final game of the weekend. Only four games, folks, so make sure you watch them all. Wyoming. Paniolo Trophy. Paniolo Trophy, yes. The Hawaiian Cowboy, one of the best trophies out there in all of college football. Better than, I don't know, the old oil can we're giving away is pretty good this week. Get the milk can. You have the the Big Ten has some big some good trophies on, honestly. The Paul Bunyan's Axe, the Oak and Button Bucket. Pretty mm-hmm. good trophies. But this one, come on, man. Nothing could beat this. How is a team from... 7,220 feet arrival in the snow and mountains to a team on the beach. How is that a rivalry game? Because it's because it's college football. Exactly. It's on Team One Sports app. So get your tablet or phone out to watch this game if you're in Hawaii. Or excuse me, if you're not in Hawaii. If you're in Hawaii, um, we should put a poll on that. How many people are spending the $70 to watch this game? You, know, you, do, you get a watch party and you just have everybody Venmo you like five bucks. That's a, that's the best way to do it. Going to the stadium at TC Ching Complex is thirty one dollars. Mm-hmm. Hawaii is a modest well, eleven and a half point favorite. Wait, Hawaii is a favorite? Oh no, no, sorry, my apologies. So sorry, no. Me. Wyoming Cowboys are a road eleven and a half point favorite. They're five and three in the year. They're going back to back games. They got the rifle. They're going for the Pollyano Trophy um, again. For we look at the one we said the ball, it's the inconsistency of quarterback Andrew Peasley. But what I really want to see is if uh, Titus Swen is for real, which we know he's good. But after last week's performance of 160 something yards versus Utah State, I'm curious. You're, what, you're wondering if he's you're wondering if he's back back. He, yes, I want more two games in a row. Come on, he uh, prior to he had more rushing yards in that game than he had the three games almost three games prior where he had 111, 189 yards of prior three games. And one of those games included New Mexico. Sorry to bash on New Mexico, but just saying. He basically had his best game by far in over a year. So I'm wondering if he's really back and if he can, like if he's back, I would want him to get in this game at least 115 yards. Yeah, I, I wonder, just, I mean, it's the thing about the Wyoming passing game is it's never been the most efficient passing game. What what has made them effective in the past is the fact that they get explosive plays out of it. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I wish I had the raid stats in front of me. All I have are the raw stats. But that's where you know I look at Andrew Peasley, and yeah, like the you know, the completion rate does leave something to be desired. 
And on the year, he's still averaging 6.1 yards per attempt. But one, he hasn't given up the football. Only three interceptions and 105 pass attempts. So like that is probably priority number one for Craig Bull and that entire coaching staff to take care of the football. But two, he's actually third in the conference right now in 20-yard pass plays behind only Siobhan Cordero and Doug Brumfeld. So when I start looking at this game, that's what I start thinking about is when the offense has worked at its best this year, it's not always been when Andrew Peasley is at his most efficient. It's when he's been able to connect on those big plays. And last week, you know, we've saw it a little bit with Wyatt Wyland. We've seen it at different junctures with like guys like Trey Welch, Colin O'Brien at the tight end position, taking advantage of that. And so I think that is where I start looking at this game because that is another arena where, you know, Braden Shager, his counterpart, has slowly gotten a little bit better as well. And, and I think you mentioned Zion Bowens uh, you know, a minute ago with, mm-hmm. uh, I think, in the Nevada game. Having him back has been a, a, a huge boon to this offense. He's been a little more mistake-prone than Peasley has, six interceptions and, and 114 pass attempts. But Shager is actually tied for fourth in the conference 20-yard pass plays with, with 14 altogether. And so given what we've seen from both of these past defenses this year, I mean, they've both been okay about generating turnovers. So, you know, Hawaii has six INTs, Wyoming has five. But they've also given up a lot of ground through the air. Like, they're both oh, yeah. allowing a completion rate over 60%. You know, they're both allowing, you know, about seven. Well, Hawaii was a little bit better, 6.8 to, to 7.5 yards per attempt. But, like, in terms of raw yards per game through the air, these teams are last and next to last mm-hmm. in the conference. So, I mean, but it's hard to say with any certainty, like how exactly the game is going to go, because it could be a shootout if both of those, both of these quarterbacks are on their game, but it could just, it could just as easily be messy if on the one hand, Peasley is sort of scattershot and Shager is under fire from the Wyoming defensive line that is really only improving week by week with those young guys up front. Yeah. I, I still think if that's the case, I still think Wyoming has enough to take care of business and not have it be and it win by two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Because when we see, like you mentioned, like there's, there's some talent in Hawaii, but it's still good taking it. But here's the thing more, more last week, 147 yards against Hawaii. Titus one is better than Avery Moore, in my opinion. They've given up. They, I'm not sure how they scored 31 versus Nevada, <laughs> But the past couple weeks, games like 14 versus San Diego State, decent amount of points versus New Mexico State, 26. They gave up 45 points, and the Aggies are not very good. And I just don't think – I think you're – I can see your point. I still don't see it being a lot of points happening from if both guys play their best. I'm still leaning toward Nevada because Peasley, like when you look at what he's done when he's not completing only 50% of his passes, it's actually – obviously, which – Obviously, I'm going to say something that's, as I say, obviously again for the fifth million time. But when you're completing 65% of your passes, 60% of your passes, well, way more than 44%, whatever he was doing versus Illinois and a couple mm-hmm. other games. If we see good Andrew Peasley, this is going to be a easy victory. Not going to be a problem. I know he's what about 50 something percent for the year. Pass sample, if my math is correct here, 
I just think he's going to have one of those up and down. The aggregate aggregate is fine, but it's been up and down from week to week for sure. I'm bet I'd put this is going to be a uh, bullish week for him to have, I believe, because he's going up against a defense that's not very good. And so when you look at comparison to the past couple weeks, what he's done, like New Mexico, well, I don't know, I could be wrong, just maybe I'm speaking out of my mouth because New Mexico is under 50%, but Lobo's defense is pretty solid. Utah mm-hmm. State, he was okay. His best game was against Air Force and Tulsa, but that's been like a month ago. I still think he's not going 6-20. I would put somewhere more along long lines of maybe a little bit better for the, in the BYU game where he's 14-27. But I think he'll be a little bit better than that. I'm betting he'll have 200 yards on the game, which would be his second most of the year. But nothing outrageous, but it'll be more consistent. I think that's where he's leaning. But I expect this to be a, a game more along the lines of, like I said, not quite a Tulsa game, but kind of close to that. Because that game made 256 mm-hmm. yards. That's a lot for him. And he rushed for 45 as well. I could, like, give me 225 total yards, and that's probably, that should be plenty enough to win by a couple touchdowns. So then what, what would you say about Braden Shager then? I can almost see the same thing with him because of what he's been, what kind of Timmy Ching wants to do. And also, we haven't really mentioned Dedrick, Dedrick Parsons as well. That's going to be the huge I think he, if they're going to win, and it'll help out um, Shager as well because he only has four touchdowns, so he's not obviously throwing the ball down the field very well, not getting people open. He's been sacked a handful of times. He, when he's played bad defenses like CSU Nevada, he had identical 173-yard passing games against two of the worst defenses in the conference. Mm-hmm. San Diego State, he did okay. Mexico State, he led it up. But I think we see there are some potential there. He's, He's better at completing the pass, obviously, than what we've seen with Andrew Peasley. He's more – I know Peasley's been more up and down. Schrager – or should be Schrager has been more consistent, but he's not been good, if that makes sense. Like, we kind of know what we're getting throughout these games when he's playing. I know he, he didn't he's, play – He's learning on the job, that's for sure. Yeah, because every game – I know the Duquesne game, he didn't play very much, but throughout the, throughout the season, like, he's been hovering between 50 and 60% completion rates. He's only been sacked four times, so it's not the pressures. That'll be maybe a difference this game too, but this will be a harder game than he's played since San Diego State. And San Diego State, he did fine. For I know they didn't win as a close game; they nearly had it. But I think that's a performance would be a good expectation where he was twenty thirty four one ninety six in touchdown. If he can get somewhere, get it. Same with Peasley. If, if I had the quarterback gets about two hundred yards, that's probably the ceiling for this type of game. I would lean more Peasley doing that than Shager because the one with defense is better. But- yeah, I mean, if if the Hawaii offensive line can help him withstand the pass rush, mm-hmm. then I think a lot is going to depend on how well he can sort of attack a secondary that's really had to retool on the fly. Mm-hmm. You know, over the last month or so, they you know they had to replace Keontae Glinton at their nickelback position with Will Brown. They replaced you know Corey Hawkins at one of the quarterback positions with Darren Harrell. You know, they've had a little bit of a shuffle of one of their safety positions. So, like, they've they've had a little bit of shuffling on the back end. And it's not like they've been invulnerable. I think, you know, part of the last couple of weeks is that they got to face a fourth-string quarterback when they played Utah State. And then they got to play the, the, the New Mexico offense when they played New Mexico. Yeah, so, it's, it's easy to forget that Jaron Hall picked him apart in late September. And it's easy to forget that Siobhan Cordero mostly did the same in the first week of October. So if Hawaii can get back to looking like they did a couple of weeks ago against the Aztecs, 
where you know maybe it wasn't like overwhelmingly you know productive throwing it all over the place. It was an offense that took care of the ball, moved the ball down the field reasonably effectively. I don't. I just don't trust why. That's what I'm getting. I don't care. Why he's not going to win this uh, game? Okay. I, I, okay. Not to be flippant, but unless Dedrick Parsons that has like 175 yards, if they're going to have a chance to win the game, and I don't think that could be done because he's clearly. I think, the they, I think they need to, they need to win the turnover battle if they want to win this game. Well, that's it. That always helps. I'm talking about just more of a. Turnovers are, uh, but, a, but but that but that mostly comes down to Shager avoiding interceptions, which yeah yes. yeah he has six six ints on the year, but that was really one of the things that made him successful in those first two starts was he avoided interceptions against both Nevada and Colorado State over the last couple of weeks he did have a, he did have one int, mm-hmm. so he hasn't been as mistake prone as he was early in the year, but it's not something that he is totally erased from his game as he's sort of learned on the fly. Yeah, that's why I kind of mentioned, like, I don't want to go too deep to why, because he was a teammate of Cole McDonald for a moment. Mm-hmm. I know that's Shavon Cordero, apologies, he's before, but he's learned from those type of guys, Cordero and McDonald previously. But there's that, but also I'm looking at, I didn't pull up this number, which we, should, we could wrap on this potentially. Rushing, we talk about the running backs in this game, yards per game allowed, or yards per play allowed. Hawaii's dead last, almost six yards a carry. They give it up. 21 mm-hmm. rushing touchdowns. So that's why I think Titus Williams going to have a huge game. Conversely, while means under four yards per carry, but they do have given up a decent amount of touchdowns at 12, which is about middle of the pack. So there is room for Hawaii, but I just think with what, what the Warriors defense, Tyus Wynn will have a, a big game. Parsons could. It'll, it'll probably take more carries for him to get there. But they got to have something in the passing game as well to get, get going. But I just don't – Hawaii just doesn't have the firepower. They have one good player I trust in offense, and that's it in Parsons. And he will struggle to get what he wants. He could get 115 yards, but it might take 28 carries. I would also, I mean, personally, I would throw Zion Bowens in there. I think okay, yes. since he's come, since he's come back, he's been about as good as I thought he would be coming into the year. Fair point. Yes. So, what do the advanced numbers say for this one? So, the advanced numbers are pretty much with you. Um, SB plus likes Wyoming, and they give them a 73 percent win probability, projected margin of 10.4. Uh, FEI also likes the Cowboys by a little bit more, by 15.3. And uh, Parker Fleming, his advanced stats preview, gives the Cowboys a 75.22% win probability, a projected margin of about 24 to 15. Okay, what's your number say? That's it. Only 24 to 15, that's only nine points. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know if the, some of the advanced metrics have caught up with. I mean, Wyoming's been a little bit uneven this year, well, just like Andrew Peasley. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> so I think. I mean, I, th- I do think that Wyoming should be able to pull this one out. I don't know that they're going to run away with it per se, but I have the Cowboys winning. I'm going to say 24 to 17. I'm going to go 20 25 to 10. I think there'll be just enough to be done. That's a weird number. There'll be a couple of field goals in there, but I'm going to go. It's, how do you get to 25, Matt? What's that? That would be uh, that would be the John Hoyland show. Be it what is it? Six field goals in a, in a touchdown? No, I don't want that. Hold on, let me. That be would a, that would not be outside their own possibility, though. 26. I could go two touchdowns and four field goals. Right? Is that the same thing? Right? Yeah. Uh, I'll make it easy. 24-10. 
There you go. <laughs> 25 is a weird number to get into in football. So I'm like, how can I do this? Is there a one point drop kick you can do? There's a one point conversion you can do. Like if you uh, forget how that exactly works, but uh, 24 10, um, Hawaii's not going to be able to uh, keep it all that close. It'll be just comfortable. This will be the most comfortable 24 10 when you've seen the law map from Wild Beat. So there you go. Anything else you'd add for the only four game week? No, I think we are pretty much all set. All right. Look for stuff in the site previews. I'll have a path to victory for the title game. I have a couple FPI things I'm trying to crank out if I have time this week. So we'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, we'll be back in a couple of days. So check all the teams this weekend. Watch all the games. Use your morning wisely to be able to watch the games in the afternoon and evening. And, yeah, MWR.com, Twitter, MWCWire. And just lob complaints at us at our power pool because everybody seems to do that nowadays because you know how it is. If your team's not first, you don't like us, so that's fine. We're good with it. <laughs> we can handle it, right, Matt? Oh, yeah. So check us out next week for the podcast. Next couple of days, I should say, on Sunday for the recap, and we'll see you then.